Renata Adler of the New York Times says this movie is nonetheless of a certain fascination in its joining of two styles, pop and advertising. J.R. Jones of the Chicago Reader says it's uneven, but mostly a blast. And, considered a train wreck in 1968, begins Cleveland.com's Jerry Shanray, this rock flick keeps getting better with age. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Head. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. What's up? Hey, Dan. What's up? And and hello, John. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for welcoming me and welcome to you, too. Yeah. I mean, John, by the way, just to establish, is the Zoom meeting host. And I mean, everyone knows oh. what that means <laughs> now. So that's true. Uh, we were doing Zoom before everyone we were, hopped on the bandwagon. We were Zooming before it was cool. And I didn't. That's true. I did not know what it was when a year ago or around then when John was like, hey, Zoom. Well, what I came to realize is that as opposed to Skype, there's less lag time between what I'm saying and when you are hearing it. So it, it was a lot easier to make it feel more natural. But I would ha- I have to say in all of our time using Zoom to have these chats, this is the first time I believe one of us is using a background. I know. And Zoom how appropriate. are all the rage right now. I am currently using an image, uh, like a publicity still of the monkeys. They're all kind of like jumping up in the air. Yeah. Or they're fall or falling or yeah. And I have to say the monkeys have been playing in my house nonstop all week. And it hasn't just been for me. My <laughs> almost three-year-old daughter loves the monkeys and uh, demands that I put them on all day, every day. Wow. What's her favorite monkeys song? It's hard to say. I mean, definitely like, here we come, the theme to the monkeys. Like that's definitely her ultimate yeah. jam. But- I think that as long it's she likes it better, she likes it more because I, I send it to the TV to play. And I think that when she sees them, she likes it better than like an album cover where she doesn't see them, like the head soundtrack. Right. Yeah. But oh, did she watch Head with you? She did not watch Head with me. No. Uh, she would if I gave her the chance. And. I mean, there isn't much that's really objectionable. Not that she would pick up on. I mean, I don't know that I no. would want her seeing uh, a guy get shot in the head like 10 times. Well, they show leading up to it. There, you know, there's some very clever cutting that goes on. Yeah. And we'll, of course, we'll get into this. But if you are familiar with what they're referencing, you complete the puzzle. Yes. Yes. So, but I, I, I don't want to jump in quite yet. No, 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 no. Dan, did you have any one more things uh, about our last episode, Kindergarten Cop? Oh boy, Kindergarten Cop. I could wax poetic about Kindergarten Cop. What I wanted to mention 
And uh, forgive me, I, I have yet to finish listening to the episode, so I don't know what treat you've put at the end. Oh, Dan, you're going to like is it. it sweet, <laughs> is it Sweet Mason? Is it what? Sweet Mason? The uh, no. Back to the Carpet? <laughs> no, oh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. All right. Well, because that's what I was going to mention is... I forgot about that, actually. Well, you, it's along those same lines. You shared that with me. Well, the guy did two of them. So it's, I don't even know who this is who puts together, cuts together these crazy videos. And I've watched quite a few of them, but he's got two from Kindergarten Cop. One of them, which, man, he turns Schwarzenegger saying, back to the carpet into... He, back to the carpet. He may, that is a bop, if I have ever heard one. <laughs> it is a <laughs> take one, one, toy one toy and bring it back to the carpet. Back to the carpet. Bring it back to the carpet. I like I was in such a phase with that for a long time. I want to say it was after the 2016 election when I was okay. like anything that makes me laugh right now is sacred and put it in my head. So and then immediately and so he did that one. And then more in line with today's movie, he did another one that is super trippy. Oh, yeah. And it's to it's that uh, the poem that he reads to the kids at nap time. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's, you know, was it lean in the wind and the wind and there's just like Schwarzenegger <laughs> like mouths gaping and Schwarzenegger heads coming. Like you have oh to, goodness. if you, so if you look up, um, if you go on YouTube and you look for it, you look for just back to the carpet and, uh, lean in the wind is the other one. And, and perhaps uh -huh. we can, uh, I don't know, post links somewhere, but, um, real in the episode's description. Yeah. If you send me yes. links, I'll put them in the episode if, description. If, you love Kindergarten Cop and um, bizarre remixes of things. Yeah, I want to like it still makes me laugh and, and gives me a chuckle. So um, I wanted to pay that forward. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I didn't really have anything more to add to the Kindergarten Cop discussion. It is so it's just so good. It's just so good. Oh, and just to, I, I feel like we talked a little bit about the rest of the cast, but not necessarily their other, their other work. And a lot of these actors are, are actors who haven't, you know, done anything at least high profile in a long time. Like, but Richard Tyson was, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but the, he was the bully in three o'clock high. You did mention I did that. mention that. Okay. That's literally the only thing that we mentioned about him. That is all the... All right. Well, it's worth mentioning yeah. again. And I want to talk what about... What we Pen didn't mention... Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Go ahead. Oh, just... I just want to say Penelope Ann Miller, uh, aside from Big Top Pee Wee, has given some great performances. I love her in Carlito's Way, which... Uh, uh, oh, no. Not Carlito's Way, but Scarface, apparently, is being remade. Scarface is being remade. In news, apparently, the screenplay has been written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Really? Yes. Huh. So, which I, I am not the biggest Scarface fan. Neither am I. So that, that gave me a bit of an eyebrow raise when I saw that. 
Well, one thing that gave me a raise of an eyebrow was, and I believe I shared this with you when it came out about a year ago, kindergarten cop actor Richard Tyson arrested on suspicion of public intoxication and harassment. And man, oh man, the picture is not flattering. Time has not treated Richard Tyson well. And they really just talk about how He's the kindergarten cop actor. He was that. Um, they also mentioned that he was in Kingpin, Me, Myself, and Irene, and there's something about Mary. His mugshot, Dan, I'll just, uh, uh, I can't hold it up. I'll, oh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. With the uh, the virtual background, it just takes him and just kind of makes him like float. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, he's replaced <laughs> Mike Nesmith now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um, yeah, that's not great. Hey, hey, but, we're I the mean, monkeys. He's so, he's so good in kindergarten cop like so many other people could play that role but he just works in that role who else i would have loved to have seen crispin glover in that role crispin glover would be great i I think that he does have like a i don't know a bloated crispin glover quality to him (laughs) it's great (laughs) we had droopy paul rudd (laughs) and now yeah and bloated crispin glover yeah bloated (laughs) I think I would like to see like Woody Harrelson in the Cullen Crisp role. Like Woody Harrelson around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. I I would I I think Woody Harrelson like mid nineties like Natural Born Killers. Woody Harrelson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People versus Larry yeah. Flint era. So he'd be good. Question for you, Dan. Yeah. This is this is going off topic a little bit, but. I feel like you have once you have said a couple of times that there was a year in movies that to you was like the best year in movies. Do you remember Ooh, what that would have been? Um, yeah. You know, probably 1989, possibly 1989. Um, I, you know, 1991. So these are like my big movie years are 1999, 19, um, 1999, 1994, okay. 1991, 1989, 76. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of going off the top of my head of of years that I've said that about. I've written, I, I wrote on my, my blog about 1989 being a really significant mm-hmm. year. It's kind of a, a nexus because it, 1989 was kind of the transition from like a a like in movies from like a series to a franchise because you had uh-huh. like in 1989 you kind of had well you have the last cinematic police academy movie so you kind of have you've <laughs> last as of yet as of now yeah um most recent cinematic because mission to moscow i think played in like one theater doesn't count um did it play in one theater i think it might i think that's what i remember reading was it so you're trying to tell me that that movie was oscar eligible and it didn't get any that's just complete bullshit i mean you know it's it's in good company that movie came out in 1994 though and 1994 was a stacked year Okay. Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Forrest Gump, Quiz Show, Ed Wood, I'm sure other things came out. But So yeah. I wanted to ask you that because I feel like the most fun year in movies had to have been 87. Oh, 80s, 19. So for me as a moviegoer, 87 was, I think, the year that I really just 
was like all in. But yeah, fun. So yeah, you've got Princess Bride, The Lost Boys, Spaceballs. You've got Predator. Predator. The Monster Squad, Robocop, Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Do I need Adventures to... in Babysitting? I'm just, overboard. I'm just calling out the posters. Raising Arizona, Raising Mannequin. Right, you have Mannequin. Mannequin. There's just so many amazingly fun movies. Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Running Man, Lethal Weapon, mm-hmm. Over the Top. <laughs> I, I the Last this Emperor. Because right, that's true. <laughs> Wall Street. I just mentioned this because the other night I was watching. Stakeout. We watched Stakeout and, recently. Oh yeah, it's eighty-seven. Classic. So much fun. Eighty-seven. It's so uh, much fun. Eighty-seven. Yeah, you know what? Whereas, like, eighty-seven might not necessarily be like the greatest year in. Right. Like, I, I can't. I'm thinking of the nineteen eighty-seven Oscars, and I know, or like the Oscars that took place in eighty-eight. Um, right. So I know Last Emperor won Best Picture and Bertolucci won Best Director. Oh, because Harry and the Hendersons was the runner-up, Harry right? and the Hendersons, I want to say, won Best Makeup. And for the longest time, because when HBO promoted Harry and the Hendersons airing, they said, they referred to Don Amici as Academy Award winner Don Amici. And I didn't realize that he had won the award for Cocoon and not Harry Cocoon. and the Hendersons. Oh, so right. um, Harry and the Hendersons is such a fun movie. Jaws the Revenge. Uh, it, if you want to hear me talk about the fun and craziness of Jaws the Revenge, check out our Jaws episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, The Last Emperor really swept the Oscars. Wall Street. Mostly because there was like nothing else. Well, it was like it was Wall. So Oscar worthy stuff was like, yeah, it was Last Emperor, Wall Street. Um, the Last Emperor won production design. It won best original music score, uh, best sound mixing. It like uh, adapted screenplay. It was just hitting all of them. Moonstruck won a few. Oh, Moonstruck! But, yes, that's right. Moonstruck. That's a fun yeah, movie. Cher, Olympia Dukakis. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Sean Connery won for The Untouchables for oh, best right. supporting. The, the Untouchables was that summer. Yes. Another yeah, fun movie. But you really only had a few like serious like Oscar movies. Right, right. And then you right, just had a yeah. lot of fun well, zaniness. I think that's because The Last Emperor was like the length of three of them. Yeah, totally. So it was just like we we want people. No, have you ever seen The Last Emperor? When I was a kid, yeah. Because it was on HBO all yeah, the course. time. Yeah. And but I remember like catching it in different sections and I had no idea what was going on. I just remember when he like slits his wrists in the beginning. Oh yeah. It's and I had up. I had like I was not making any of the connections and I didn't know any of the story, any of the the history. Mm-hmm. So I would like to watch that movie now, you know, being older and smarter. Right. Being I, I of think. appropriate age to watch such a movie. To watch The Last Emperor. Yeah. Hey, it's P- it's PG-13. We saw Spaceballs in the theater. Um, those are two... Those are the only things that are similar about that those two movies. I know, just the fact that they came out in 1987. Yeah. Back to the Beach. Did, did Was that not... Did that it, title not that, come up? <laughs> that did not come up. Uh, La Bamba. La in Bamba 1987. Well, and of course, La Bamba and um, Back to the Beach played a pretty prominent role in our family's home video recording of our 
trip to California in 1987. Well, those were the two soundtracks that I had. Those yeah. were the cassette tapes that I had. And <laughs> we were I doing the bird. I mean, we posed in front of a poster of the movie. We weren't even going to see the movie. We were at Fuddruckers. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go back uh, about 20 years before that, 19 years before that. And uh, let's talk about Head. Let's talk about Head. Let's talk about the monkeys. Yeah, I, I'm just going to, well, let's start off talking about just the monkeys themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's important. It's really important to talk right. about how they come together because yeah, it has now, so much to do with this movie. It was. It's a group that was created by Bob Raffleson, who directed Head, and Bert Schneider, who produced Head. Uh, they were creating a family-friendly television show called The Monkees. They tried to get it going. I think Bob Raffleson tried to get it going a few years before, but... It wasn't until A Hard Day's Night came out that they were finally just like, oh, yeah, let's let's do that show because it's kind of like this. And they cast these four musicians, actor musicians. I mean, Davy Jones was a stage actor and the rest of the guys were kind of just musicians. I think that Mickey Dolenz was uh, had done some acting before. Yeah. Well, no, Mickey... Mickey and Davey, it was like they wanted, they got two actors who could handle music and two musicians who could handle acting. Yeah, totally. And uh, not to mention uh, Michael Nesmith. And I think his mother like invented Whiteout or something. Yes. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. You know who else auditioned to be monkeys? Paul Williams. Did he really? Oh my oh, god! Yes, imagine a dangerous business could have been a. Or no, wait. He, did he yeah. not? Did he write any monkey songs? I don't think so. I don't think he did. But Harry Nilsson, who wrote some Nilsen monkey songs, definitely audition. Yeah, Stephen Stills. Yeah. So, I uh, right. So the monkeys didn't write their own music for a little while. Uh, it was at the beginning mostly Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. They're the ones that did like, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And then they they did later go on to make to compose some of their own music, but also did songs by like Neil Diamond, uh, Jerry uh, Goffin and Carol King, Nilsson, of course. Nilsson, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I feel like they definitely get a bad rap because they are a band, but they're not a band the way that like the Beatles were a band where they're just cranking out all of these originals. They're, well, and they also didn't come together organically. No, they didn't, but it's like kind of the new way that bands come together. You know, the the talents kind of get, I don't know, plucked out and the, the auditions happen to fit these people together. And for, from the looks of it, I mean, I feel like it's a really well-cast group. Well, you know how well-cast it is because they've stayed together or gotten yeah. back together through, I mean, Mickey and Mike, who are the two surviving members, yeah. are are touring. Peter was touring with them when he was alive. They, yeah, if you and, go to their Wikipedia page, you'll see kind oh. of a, a bigger history of like, who dropped out when like Peter just dis- like disappeared for a little while. Cause he wasn't Michael, getting along with them, but Michael yeah. was, was gone for a while, but their, their album, uh, I, I want to say it came out in 2015. Good times where it's great. 
the songs were written by um, Adam Schlesinger. Right. Pour One Out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ben Gibbard, who wrote uh, Me and right. Magdalena. It's a beautiful song. It's a great album. And they even got like, you know, some an old like track that Davey had recorded. So you've got Davey right. on the album too. So yeah. Yeah. And and uh, I think they came out with another album since then that Adam Schlesinger was, was a producer on. But that one, and then last year we uh, lost Peter, Pour One Peter. Out. Yeah. And uh yeah, so it, they're just like they're so likable and the, there's they each have their own really cool quality and mm-hmm. when I was trying to think of like who my favorite monkey was, I really couldn't decide because I feel like at different times in my life it's been a different person. I think that Michael oh. Nesmith might be my current why why are you laughing? Oh no, it's funny because first of all, I figured Michael Nesmith would would be your favorite. I think my favorite why is that it, there's a subtlety to him. Yeah, there really that the is. Others, that the others don't... Peter, there's a subtlety to Peter too, but it's more in the naivete and simplicity. I think that when I was a kid, I was drawn more towards like Peter and Davey. I don't think I've ever been... the Like Mickey hasn't been my like number one ever. Mickey has always been my number one. Really? I, I, I do love Mickey, him. I, I tried to, I, I tweeted at him to, uh, Did to you? see. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I had a few questions that, about about Head and, uh-huh. you know, just kind of figured I'd throw it out there. Yeah. Mickey Dolan's. Yeah. Uh, he's great. He's great. He's just like never made it to my number one slot. That's all. To me, he's the total package because he's kind of like, there's really not a lead singer, but he's kind of the de facto lead singer. Right. It's funny because I feel like when I was younger, I always just associated Davy Jones with being kind of like the singer. And that's probably because uh, he sang like Daydream Believer. And yeah. he, didn't know, play he, an just, inter- he played the tambourine. He the pl- yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and M- musically I, he was the Tracy Partridge of the that's of right. The group. Yeah, yeah, and um, but yeah, I mean Mickey Dolans did a bulk of the singing and is great. Davy Davy was, I mean Davy was. I mean they like they were all heartthrobs, but Davy was. Oh yeah, the the heartthrob that was his, Fa- his role, and and famously so in the movie, the Brady Bunch movie. Which is one of my favorite, like in a movie Love that it. is packed to the brim with jokes. The joke of Marsha trying to get Davy Jones to come to the school dance in like the 90s is yeah. like the funniest thing to me. And the the teachers losing their minds. Oh, when, my God. When he's it's performing. so good. It's so good. Hey, what a what a great gag. But and that's the other. He, th- yeah, he went for that's- it. He's great. But that's the thing about the monkeys, and I think that's another factor of their success, is they just have this wonderful humor about about who they are and their personas. And, well, <laughs> maybe not so much in Head, but well, that's the they, thing, they still is, that's have a lot of makes, humor. That's what makes Head yeah. so interesting, Yeah, is that you do have the humor and their personalities coming out. But they're trying to say something. Oh. And, well, they're trying to say a lot of things. And yeah. it's, you know, the TV show, I watched a little bit with my kid the other day, and she loved it. It's just zany and silly, and then they yeah. play a good song, and it's fun, and everybody loves it. But, like, the movie Head is just 
wild. And I love that um, that Millie DeCherico put it on the list for us to cover this month. Yeah. I, I was very excited about that. So why don't I launch into a very brief synopsis? Because you know, John, you, I was wondering, I was like, how, how are you, you even going to, how are you going to try this? So I'm going to. It's very well, brief because this is. Let's see. This, uh, okay. Dan, have you ever seen the movie Hot Rod with Andy Samberg? Not in its entirety. Not okay. for lack of enjoying it, but I think okay. just for lack of like. There is. So Hot Rod is about a like an evil Knievel wannabe kind of guy who's just not very talented at stunts, but thinks he is. And he is getting ready to do this big stunt. And it's basically, so he sets up this big stunt and he gets the, um, there's an, an AM radio station that gets the exclusive rights to cover the event of this stunt where he's going to like ride a motorcycle, like jump a motorcycle over a bunch of buses. And, Chris Parnell plays the DJ for the AM radio station, which first of all, you need to look up on YouTube, a clip of him explaining why radio is great because it involves a tattoo on his chest of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes (laughs) peeing on FM radio and television (laughs) in the same stream. It's amazing. But anyway, during the, during the jump, you just hear him say, like, there's so much going on, but, like, if you're paying attention to what he's saying, he says, this needs to be seen to be believed, which is the funniest thing that somebody on the radio can say about <laughs> an event that they have the exclusive <laughs> rights to cover. And that's how I feel about Head. Describing, there's no way to describe it. It needs to be seen to be believed. So I'm going to try anyway, but it's going to be brief. Davy Jones, Peter Tork, Michael Nesmith, and Mickey Dolenz, collectively known as the Monkeys, travel through time and space to share a commentary on war, advertising, consumerism, and the entertainment industry. This film begins where it ends, at the dedication of the Gerald Desmond Bridge in Long Beach, California, and follows the Monkeys as they often find themselves trapped, confused, and frustrated. This film also features Frank Zappa, Annette Funicello, Terry Garr, and a brief appearance from Jack Nicholson, who co-wrote the movie with famously anti-war producer Burt Schneider and Burt's frequent collaborator, director Bob Raffleson. That's all. And uh, a whole lot of, like, weed. (laughs) Right. I'd say that drugs were the third, or sorry, the fourth co-writer of the movie. I think they deserve some screenwriting credit. Not, to, yeah. not, and not a, not a dig, but just saying, it, it seems very intentionally paced out. Yes, and let me tell you, Dan, I uh, this is my favorite movie to play if I'm having like a party or something, and I need to have something on the TV that's just visual, but like the volume's muted, and we have like music playing from the stereo or something the visual just visually this movie is so much fun to watch i mean it sounds great too because it's a lot of songs performed by the monkeys but though none that aside from the porpoise song it's not like the monkeys are in there doing their hits right no they're They're not in fact, they're, I mean, a lot of the songs they're doing, are, well, they're doing some songs that, a few songs, I think, that that they wrote. And, like, I think there's a Peter song 
uh, in there. The one where they're all kind of like walking in like in different terrain, like right, like ones oh, in yeah. the mountains and ones through. I think I want to say that's a Peter song. Uh, I want. I think I read that. It but feels then... it feels very Peter because to me he feels like, and I don't know if this is just the influence that this movie had on me, but he feels like the more spiritual one. Oh the yeah, one, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I never got well, to know too much. He is yeah. the guru, right? And the dummy. And the dummy. I'm the dummy, Davy. I'm always the dummy. It's oh my god! Like, yeah, you have to. It has to be so, seen to be. Believed. So this movie came out, I think, the year after the TV show ended, and the same. I like. I want to say later. I want to say it was like later in the year. Yeah. Well, and I think that. It was said to be that this is the thing that killed the monkeys, which, as we know now, nothing, you know. I mean, uh, other than illness. Yes. Nothing, not that literally killed them. But here we are talking about them. Uh, They're still putting out albums any way they possibly can. Yes, it definitely changed the way that people perceive them. I mean, at the time, they were hanging out with the people that they were thought to be like emulating you know they were in those circles you know oh, yeah i think was it in the harry nilson documentary where it's like he and mickey dolan's were together all the time nilson mickey dolan's john lennon john lennon yeah well getting was... drunk together at the troubadour yeah and causing a brothers brothers yeah exactly yeah. well i don't well i remember mickey dolan's tells the story about how like nilson's in the hospital and his throat is just totally trash and everything and he and he asks mickey to get him a pack of cigarettes and a bottle of whiskey and mickey's like i'll get you the whiskey <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah no yeah. they were to me what it uh speaking of harry nilson he wrote the daddy's song yeah that that davy jones performed Right, which is my favorite part of the whole movie. It is, to me, it's so intense. Yeah. And there's something, there's something very, like, there's almost something very sinister about it. I think just because it's not like the music you've heard and it's all of a sudden you've got like this big, you know, horn section coming in. It's this very like vaudeville, old timey music and Davy's like tap dancing. He's dancing with, with Tony, Tony Basil. Right. Apparently, apparently, Hey Mickey, uh, Oh Mickey, you're so fine. Is Mickey Dolan's <laughs> really? Or, or is, or yeah. Yeah. I, uh, wow. I am. I'm fairly certain. I read that somewhere. Apologies if I'm incorrect. So that, that scene is coming off of even just like thinking about how they get from point A to point Z is so wild. Like point A back to point A. <laughs> yeah, totally. So they ha- so right before that number with Davy Jones, the four of them are closed off in a room where they then are in a commercial for dandruff shampoo where they are dandruff on hair. On the head of Victor Mature. Right, yeah. And then they get vacuumed away. And then it's the three of them, Peter, Mickey, and Mike, they get sucked down into the thing, but Davey like, clings onto the thing and makes his way out through a different way. And that's how he finds himself in this thing to perform the Nilsson song with the tuxedos. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And it's so dark because it feels like he's he's almost like not in control of himself. Uh, well, and that's what I feel like a lot of this movie is about how 
they aren't in control. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. how and how they're being manipulated time and time again. And just kind of tossed around and Yeah. They're none too subtle about it. There's that one scene cuz I and I think a lot of the little vignettes start very similarly to some of the the things on the show. Okay. Like some of the sequences it's like they start like a seat, like it's going to be a sequence from the show where you know they're, you know they're they're in this western town and they're trying oh, to right. save the yeah. girl from, or they're and then it just goes into this whole other direction and gets yeah. really dark. Or you have like where they just walk off. Yeah, well, yeah, where like Peter gets into the fight with the waitress at the restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah, and then. It's just a set of a TV show or whatever, and he's, yeah, just walking off. That's where you see Jack Nicholson briefly. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, and Dennis Hopper, by the way, in that scene as well. Was he really? I did not notice him. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'm surprised he's very much in his, like, easy rider, because <laughs> that's that's what they made next. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, But it was... It's so, it's crazy. And you know what? I, I also kind of connected the way that they transition from, from segment to segment reminded me so much of Mr. Show, which I guess oh. I had seen Mr. Show. I've seen Head before, but I think I had seen, or I, I, I don't know that I had seen Mr. Show the first time I saw Head. But as I was watching it this time, I, I thought, I was like, wow, like that's, I mean, not that they couldn't have come up with that concept without ever seeing Head, but. Right. Yeah. Which Mr. Show is a sketch show where each sketch would transition somehow into the next one. And I remember hearing them talk about like how they came up with the transitions. And a lot of the times they couldn't think of a way to do it. So they would just make the last thing, something that was on the TV and the next thing. Right, like that was kind right. of their like fallback, if nothing else works, plan. Uh, right, but yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It's mu- yeah, it's mu- definitely it's much more intentional in head, especially because they keep coming back through the same sequences and like where they're in, you know, was in the old, um, you know, in the old west where they're they're in the you know quote unquote cowboys and Indian scene where Terry Gar right. is. You know where Mickey has to is either going to save Terry Gar or or Michael, and he saves yeah. Michael, uh, or he goes with Michael because it's circular. You know the the structure; it's not linear. It's yeah. it's circular, but yet it's not because they also keep winding through. Right. Back so through it the kind same. of goes. It kind of goes from A to Y. And then it goes back down a little bit, and then it goes to Z through A again. It's really weird. It's crazy, and but and then also at like the beginning beginning of the movie, like the second sequence or third sequence is them outlining everything that's coming. Oh, yeah. in the movie, they say like what like don't try to think too much about what you're about to see. Like well, we're not going to tell you what it means. Well, they also start out with, hey, hey, we are the monkeys, you know, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Hey, hey, we are. But it's they like they're not giving you they're not making you think at all because they're putting it right out there. They're speaking very sarcastically about, you know, being manufactured. Yeah. Hey, hey, we are the monkeys. 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 Hey,
the monkeys. You know we love to please. A manufactured image with no philosophies. We hope you like our story, although there isn't one. That is to say there's many. That way there is more fun. You've told us you like action and games of many kinds. You like to dance, we like to sing, so let's all lose our minds. We know it doesn't matter, because what you came to see is what we'd love to give you and give it one, two, three. But it may come three, two, one, two, or jump from nine to five. And when you see the end in sight, the beginning may arrive. For those who look for meanings, inform as they do fact, we might tell you one thing, but we'd only take it back. Not back like in a box back, not back like in a race, not back so we can keep it, but back in time and space. You say we're manufactured, to that we all agree. So make your choice and we'll rejoice in never being free. Hey, hey, we are the monkeys, we've said it all before. The money's in, we're made of tin, we're here to give you more. The money's in, we're made of tin, we're here to give you I think it's all, I think it's such a brilliant way to like kind of say like you know to the people who say this and really feel this way screw you like we're doing our thing and you know we're not what you think we are yeah and I was also kind of picking up on and maybe I maybe it's it's not there I felt this time around like I was picking up on a lot of digs at the Beatles oh yeah I think so well because so the monkeys were, you know, generally seen as this like, you know, Beatles ripoff, you know, made for TV. Right. And these guys, for the most part, felt that they were c- capable of saying more, that they felt more, you know, mm-hmm. as they're as they're singing. I'm a believer. They really are wanting to to speak out more and speak their minds rather than singing these, you know, rather than fluff, it's kind of like they want to, and they don't want people to think of them as fluff or manufactured. Whereas you have the Beatles who are this very organic, you know, this, this band that came together organically and writes their own songs and made their, they made themselves and they've got this platform and then they go and make movies and movies right. that can reach so many people and they make a hard day's night. Yeah. And they make help. And they're not really using those. Pl- I felt like there was like the monkeys or someone involved was taking a dig at the Beatles for not using Saying the something. platform that they have and being more vocal. I mean, yes, we know John Lennon was very, uh, you know, vocal activist, but at this point, was he really in 1968? I don't know. And it's so many of these, these people who were so big at this time were so heavily influenced by their peers. Yeah. And, and it could be that like, something like head could have been an influence to have him be more vocal about the, his beliefs. Oh, and totally f- for anybody who knows the, like the real truth behind this stuff rather than just the theories that we're spitting out. Yeah. You know, we know that we are just spitting out theories and that these are a little less informed, but. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I am always throwing out the disclaimer that I might just be talking out my ass here. But sometimes when I'm talking out my ass, I make sense. Uh, yeah. This time, but like you, you've got Peter whistling "Strawberry Fields Forever" as he's walking into the bathroom. Right. After, yeah. When after after I Davey sees that. the giant eye, the eye. Uh, yeah. 
this is why you just have to watch the movie. Uh, right. Uh, because otherwise you're like, say, Davy, and there's a giant eye in strawberry fields and what? <laughs> thing, son. Nobody ever lends money to a man with a sense of humor. You've got that, and they just, the monkey, they seem to be throwing everything they've got, and you know that the monkeys didn't like, didn't necessarily like being compared in that way. Right, yeah, of course. And, and it's so funny to look at it now, and think about the criticisms that people would have about the monkeys just kind of performing other people's music. Whereas now that's so common that like there's somebody else that's writing songs for like writing hits for all these people. Yeah. I mean, it was, I guess it, it was, it was common in music, but not necessarily in, in rock music. Right. You know, it was, it was common. Like Elvis Presley didn't write, his songs oh, totally but it was more like in this new era of of rock where you've got the beach boys and brian wilson you've got the beatles you've got the kinks you've mm-hmm. got all these you know the stones the stones played other people's music or took other people's music and adapted sure. it um but yeah you have these artists who also have the freedom to do that because they're not owned <laughs> yeah i guess yeah, as much so yeah, and and just to kind of go back to some of the scenes in Head and how blatantly they're sending messages. Like, one of the first scenes is the, like, stadium where they're spelling out war, and then they're in the war sequence, and then uh, Mickey's in the desert, and he sees a the Coke Coca-Cola machine. machine, but he can't get anything in it, and then he gets a tank, and he blows it up, and it's just like... Oh my god. Like there's talking talking about uh subtlety. Not very subtle. And you you're not mentioning all of the uh footage, all of the news footage from right. the war in Vietnam and the the famous shot of the uh the South Vietnamese officer shooting a, a Viet Cong prisoner right. point blank range to the temple, which is repeated multiple times or you know parts of it parts of that clip are repeated but also just like um you know vietnamese villagers mm-hmm. um you know there's a lot they're showing you they're not hinting at it they're not you know it's not like mash where let's say it's korea but it's vietnam yeah. they were showing you actual vietnam 
right. at the time that this was all going on and putting it on a big screen. Yeah. And making for, you watch it again and again and again. For not full theaters to see. Right. Well, because if you went to the theater and you were expecting... You know, hey, hey, you were expe- monkeys. Exactly. I mean, that that was I would what I would imagine people were expecting was hey hey we're the monkeys <laughs> and that backfired on them because the people who wanted that didn't get that and got something so polar opposite of it yeah well it actually yeah. it saw saw a rejection of that really yeah so i uh, i mean i mentioned earlier that um the producer of head Bert Schneider, who was the producer on the TV show. I don't remember the exact story, but he was very vocally anti-war and it might've been like at the golden globes or something like he made a speech and, uh, really ruffled some feathers of people who didn't see his anti-war sentiments the same way that he did. And I think that Frank Sinatra actually like made a comment, uh, about it and, yeah, it was just uh, uh I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking at it right now. I oh. want to say this is when because he produced Hearts and Minds, the documentary, yeah. uh, very critical of of the Vietnam War, and and he is talking about yeah. Uh, I will now read a short. Well, I'm not going to read this, but I will yeah. now read a short wire that I have been asked to read by the Vietnamese people. It is sent by Ambassador Din Pati, who is the chief of the provision. Like, yeah, he's reading a message from the Vietnamese at yeah. the Academy Awards. Oh, was it the Academy Awards? This, that was at the Academy Awards. Did I mean? I I, I don't know. I, I read this one? a while ago, so I don't remember the exact story. Yeah, it's it's really funny because he and Bob Raffleson, who were instrumental in creating the monkeys creating Uh this kids show really about this band you know to see them develop throughout the 60s and you know really hone in on their beliefs and want to get those beliefs out there and kind of using the monkeys a little bit to help get that message out there i i don't know it's kind of brilliant and yeah, the movie didn't do well at the time, but it is for sure a cult classic. It is highly enjoyable. And I mean, it's uh, Criterion released a copy of it. I wish I had my hands on that because there's a oh, commentary yeah. on it that I would love to see. So actually, yeah. I think they've got a sale going on right now. I might uh, oh, order ahead. That is that one to be for sure don't, worth it. Don't tell me that. Yeah, it's it's also it's never streaming. I can't think of a no. time when I've seen it streaming on a service, and like I wouldn't have it if I I didn't have a copy from you, John. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So it should be noted. So this is not a head reboot, but in '86 there was interest to make what was called the New Monkeys a reboot of the series The Monkees that featured none of the original cast members. And it was produced by Columbia, distributed by Coca-Cola Telecommunications, which I found interesting just because of the scene in the desert where they blow up the Coke machine. 
And it was, you know, about a band. And uh, that that band was Jared Chandler. That sucked. Yeah, Jared Chandler, Dino Kovas, Larry Saltis, and Marty Ross. And uh, as it had been with the original Monkees, each had to pass a grueling set of auditions. Unlike the previous series, however, musical ability was a key factor in the selection process. Ross, a multi-instrumentalist, had earlier been signed to CBS, blah, 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 blah. Who's in the band? The Wigs. That's right. So I I thought I'd heard his name before. Yeah, yeah. so there was something, but I think well, it lasted like twelve episodes or something. I'm, I'm just one of the boys. But also around that time, the original Monkeys series started playing again in syndication i i think uh nickelodeon or nick, nick at, at night, night yeah. had it and i want i i i feel like i remember in new york uh the channel five which was the the like fox affiliate fox yeah was fought wait was fox around then it wasn't no no yeah this was just before like the fox network started yeah but um, it was Channel Five. It was like it, it was the 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 Fox local affiliate, and they were playing episodes of the Monkees, and the Monkees became popular again through that through Nickelodeon, and they released a a uh, a greatest hits then and now best of the Monkees, which featured right. I want to say three new recordings, one of which that was then this is now was like a a big like a pretty big hit song. Like I rem- I had that cassette. So it makes sense that there would have been the resurgence in 86 because going back to 1987 and our family's home video from our trip to California, there were a lot of monkeys references. Well, there's a reason why we do the monkeys walk. Right. I mean, like we watched the show. Yeah. So, and let's see when, when that was coming back, I would have been like three Perfect age to watch the monkeys, if you ask me. Just ask my almost three-year-old. Yeah. I mean, The yeah. monkeys walk, which, by the sure. way, lasts for a half of a second in the credits. And also and also them uh, running oh, yeah. up to the beach and then the water coming into them running back. Like, we totally did that. Oh, my God, we did. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We totally did. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Had it not been for the Nickelodeon decision to re-air those... Who knows if uh, I would be as big of a Monkees fan as I have always been. I would venture to say probably not. Yeah. But, man, got to love the Monkees. So I'm curious to know, John, what your thoughts are in terms of, I mean, okay, there's not going to be a sequel. No. There's not going to be, like, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is one of those cult classic movies where... It is so heavily, I don't know, the the status that it has is so heavily tied to the people and the time. And so I think that this is one of those where it can't be a straight reboot or sequel or prequel. It would really have to be a movie about the movie. It would have to be, I don't know whether it's a documentary. I see. That's why I really want to see the movie with the commentary that uh, Criterion put out because 
those are the things that I want to know. I really want to hear the people behind this movie talking about it. And unfortunately, you know, our time is limited for something like that. And, and, you know, we won't be able to ever hear any more thoughts from half of the monkeys about, you know, their experience. So I don't know. There's something, there's something about it where it's like, it's a really special thing. And honestly, I think that really it's just a matter of, re-airing you know the monkeys episodes making head available to people it's less of a re-release well no no it's a re-release yeah but with some fanfare because this is perfect for and i know that right now there's no such thing as movie theaters really but like this is perfect midnight movie fodder yeah or like if you're doing you know you're doing a a watch along or something you know with friends virtually you're doing a remote thing you know everyone watches head and then all this you're all you know talking back i don't know i i i have not done this i don't know if this happens <laughs> I where people i'm like about. you get on zoom and you watch a movie together what no one does that yeah. i don't know um i, I think that i yeah. think that uh, hbo just or they are launching a feature if you like use like HBO now through like a computer where you can like watch along with friends. I think, I think I just saw an article about that today. Yeah. I saw something like that. I I was going in, in a bit of a different direction in the, you know, like what is the, the new life for this movie. Uh And I see it as more of a, we are in very divisive times right now. Much like the, much like the late 60s there's a lot of of anger and there's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of you know like we're we've got you know the billionaires that that were you know were were angry because you know people are losing their jobs but the billionaires are still taking home the bonuses right. and we've got you know potential like we're not at war we but yet we are because there's all this crazy stuff going on and we don't know what north korea is gonna do is is he even alive is he dead uh kim jong-un what we know who you were talking about dan okay i don't i (laughs) just to clarify yeah um so i was trying to think i was like okay this band used this platform and this ability and and maybe the fact that like they were on this TV show that just got canceled and they were making this movie that was just kind of like, all right, well, we, we have to get this done. So maybe no one, there wasn't much oversight on it. I was trying to think of who's a, a musical artist that could create something like head that comments similarly on the times and it might not be like about them. It might be, or it might not be, you know, about that, that person, that artist or that, or that group. I was trying to think of, of who could do this. And I was like, who, who would have the autonomy, the nerve, but also has that, the passion to, to do this. And I think the most likely candidate that comes to mind is Lady Gaga. Okay. Who we know is not afraid to take artistic risks. Right. And I think and she has that passion. Mm-hmm. She's a very uh, compassionate person who, and don't get me like, I'm not, 
I am not like this the world's biggest Lady Gaga fan, but I have a ton of respect for her and you know what she does and how she uses her her status, uses her fame, uses her wealth to um you know, to empower others and to to fight injustice. So she was kind of the, the top of my list. She's also probably the most relevant artist on my list. I was like, BTS is not going to make the next head. So the thing that's special about, you know, head in 1968 with the monkeys, and this is something that I've, it's similar to what I've talked about before uh, on this podcast about how like, Every year that passes, there are just more and more and more and more and more movies. Like, I don't know, like there was a time when there weren't as many movies. So when something came out that was significant, it really made waves. But now there's so much oversaturation that it's a lot harder for a movie to make a difference. Especially now that we don't go to the movies. Well, that, yeah, of course, there's that. It could thin out the herd cinematically. So for rock music in 1968, I mean, that type of rock music was still pretty new. It was still a time when musicians didn't have this like political voice the way that they do now, where everybody knows everybody's opinions. And, you know, this is really like the first wave of like, really getting out messages about political beliefs. Of course, you soon have, you know, the Beatles personally saying things. And then uh, you have, fast forwarding a little bit, you've got bands like U2 who are saying all these things that are making, you know, big political leaps. And, you know, now everybody is voicing their beliefs. I mean, yes, yes, and no. some more strongly that, than others. Everybody vo- is is voicing things, but like I think the monkeys were just feeling it, you know. Right. Well, another thing is so like who's you feeling it. You, you think about the monkeys, where it's like they had this like, you know, there were these goofy kids entertainers, really, that would put out these like cheery pop songs, similarly similarly to like Taylor Swift who then, you know, comes out and starts speaking her mind about politics. And yeah, it's less shocking now because of people like the monkeys who in the 60s were doing the, the same type of thing and kind of coming out of their molds and letting people know who they were. I mean, there's a lot of Bob Rafelson and... Jack Nicholson and, and you know, the writers of the movie who might have been more of an influence on what they what they were doing than themselves. But it's still them. I think the other thing that you have that that it makes it harder for something like this to happen today is the oversaturation of it's not just the oversaturation of music, but it's that. People in in the 60s, you listen to music because you, you bought the record. 
uh, or you listened to the radio and you probably yeah. bought the record because you heard it on the radio and everybody listened to like the same stations and, you know, not everybody bought the same records, but it... Everyone was listening to that thing you do. Exactly. You know, the Oneaters. The Oneaters. They're the best. Captain Gooch and the Shrimp Shack... Captain Shrimp Gooch shooters. and the Captain Shrimp Shack Shooters. And the Shrimp Shack Shooters, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're the best. Uh, so... But everybody, there was like a collective consciousness. There was like this collective zeitgeist that we don't have as much anymore. Right. There's it's and it also changes so much. Like the the hot young thing. Like I think one of my kids saw me. I was like listening to Lil Nas X. One of your one, students. Oh, one of my one of my students. One of my high school students. Yeah. Back when I was in the building with her, and I was like listening to Lil Nas X, and I was and they were like, you ju- you're just getting into like they're like, oh wow. So it it changes so much and it's hard to find Uh, and just to throw out at you there were some other I was trying to think of some other artists who I would be interested to see how they would make a musical film that comments on the times and I mean you know we're not talking about teeny boppers here like David Byrne right I'm I'm excited to see what David Byrne and Spike Lee do together for the uh, American Dream is that what it's called is that what it's called or American I I, off the top of my head Flaming Lips (laughs) Have not oh shied God. away from, from being political and are very no. artistic. Love the flaming lips. I mean, I can see like I, I I can't see Pearl Jam making a film. They're they're outspoken politically. The difference with the monkeys is that they were a children's entertainment show. Yeah. So like I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of anything now, but it's like if Doc McStuffins was like all of a sudden if if Doc McStuffins was on the front lines of, of, the, of the coronavirus, the <laughs> and you just like a whole Doc McStuffins episode is just like Doc McStuffins sitting in a corner crying and is well, just like when yeah. will it end? I mean, it's kind of funny because we do have damn it, Chili, put a mask on. <laughs> We've had this happen to a certain extent with like Hannah Montana, you know, Miley Cyrus. Is, you know, there's all these like Disney stars who have then grown up and Miley Cyrus kind of did the uh, the head thing with kind of just destroying that Hannah Montana. She came in like a wrecking ball image. Fact. She sure did. Uh, Yes. I mean, I was I was really trying to think of like any kind of children's or like teenager show and i i don't really know what's out there right now but i think to like the 90s when that show california dreams was out it was like the save by the bell ripoff but like about that band in like oh, la wow. and it's like what if the california dreams kids what is the heights <laughs> yeah totally and like what if they came out and like made this like crazy movie how can you vote for an asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah so How I don't can know. You it's... make a choice for four more years. So I love yeah, that song. So if anybody listening uh, can think of any current uh, family entertainment shows where there's a uh, a group of people who would later shock the world with a psychedelic <laughs> uh, anti-establishment movie, let us know. Ruinchildhoodspod at gmail dot com. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, and and. It's not just children's shows. It's it's family entertainment because the monkeys was kind of just meant to appeal to everybody. Yeah. 
Though they they got very counterculture, especially towards the end. I don't really remember the end of their run so much. So the last episode uh, I was reading was was directed. It was it was directed and I think written by Mickey Dolenz. And I want to say the title of the episode was a weed reference. Oh, really? <laughs> and there was like a lot of smoke in this episode. And like there was this like spaceship that it would give off this smoke. And whenever it would give off this smoke, it would make people like calm and docile. Oh, my goodness. There's got to be like a box set somewhere of the monkeys, like the series. I'd love oh, to definitely. go back and watch watch all those. Yeah, they're just they're just wonderful. I'm, I'm really trying to think of like what kind of family shows are out right now. I just don't know. I'm not I'm, I'm, up on a lot of like what's currently on television. Well, it's like it's if Young the, Sheldon kind of uh, <laughs> came out and was like, if, if I don't Young know about Sh- this. I don't know about this Kim Jong Un character. It's like they do an episode of Young Sheldon where it's just that like falling down with Michael Douglas and he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that it's not like older Sheldon. It's specifically Young no, it's, Sheldon. It's got to be. Young. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, the the last episode of of The Monkees was, yeah, co-written and directed by Mickey Dolenz. And it was entitled Miha Kojeo, a.k.a. The Frodis Caper. And the, the main Frodis title was. Caper. Cause yeah, Frodus being Mickey's code word for weed. This is from I'm reading uh, Chuck Stevens' essay for uh, Criterion for the Criterion version. Of oh, yes. Oh, they do all discs thirty percent off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I let you know about that. We're in trouble. Yeah. No, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a crazy movie and. I think that if you're just kind of going in blind and you're just like, you just find this movie and put it on without any context. Yeah. You're not going to know what the hell is going on. Or if you just want to put something on visually to play on a TV while you're having a party with other music playing, it's going to be a hit. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's going to be like, whoa, what is happening over here? Yeah. What's, are they dandruff? What is happening? Is that Victor <laughs> Mature? <laughs> I want to be at a party where someone goes, is that Victor? I, I had to look him up because I was like, I know he's someone, but who is he? And right. I love him in this. He's he's great. He's great. He's great. I would love for you to be at a party where somebody says that. I I think that'd be fun. And I hope it's a Halloween party and I hope someone is there dressed as Victor Mature. Right. Dan. Yes. Do you have anything else to say about Head before we move on and talk about the next episode? I mean, it's a fascinating movie. I think it it definitely, if it suffers from from anything, it's just from the overload of of messaging. But man, and the other the other thing about this movie that probably didn't it probably what didn't make it a hit was that it's very critical of pretty much everybody and it's everybody really call it's calling people out for like apathy and yeah. just treating them like pieces of meat or yeah mannequins. well well for well okay what was your favorite segment in the movie if you just had to pick one. Oh man my favorite segment in the movie i would probably go with um uh, probably daddy song Okay. See, okay, that would be my favorite like musical moment. I'm I'm trying to either Daddy's song or I'm I'm 
or the like the dummy sequence. Uh huh. Yeah, the dummy sequence is great. That stands uh, out to me. Yeah. So the sequence where it's Michael's surprise party. I think oh, that might be my favorite because oh. he kind of has this thing and he doesn't really do too much talking in this movie, but during this scene, like where he's just confused, doesn't know what's going on. And then it, it's like, he he's asleep and he gets woken up and then there's this surprise party being thrown for him. And he's just like, no, I don't want to do this. Like it, that's exactly right. It's people deciding what you're going to do all the time. And yeah. I, I just love that. I, I thought that was a really great moment. Um, there's yeah. also the weird thing at the beginning where that woman goes around and like makes out with each one of them. Oh, <laughs> well, but that that to me was like a segment on the show. That would have been it reminded me of I the spin the bottle. Ep- well, there's the, the famous spin the bottle episode when it's like this girl that Peter has a crush on. But every uh-huh. time she spins the bottle, it lands on Davy. And like <laughs> at one point, they even tell Davy to leave the room and like Davy leaves the room. She spins the bottle and the bottle like flies and hits the door. <laughs> oh, what a good show. So that's that's and it's really it's kind of like that first post credit sequence and mm-hmm. it 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 play it's probably the only sequence that plays out entirely the like a sequence on the show cuz i think is it after that that they go into the hey hey we are the monkeys and this is what yeah we-. yeah so it's kind of like the okay we've given you what you came yeah. for and now we're going to give you what we want to give you right yeah and by the post credit sequence you mean when nick fury comes in and uh, drafts them to become avengers <laughs> yes exactly that oh man there we go there's the reboot <laughs> uh so dan do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be talking about on the next episode yes i do hope that the power of christ compels you to watch our next episode which will be all about the Exorcist. Is this our first horror movie that we're talking about? This may indeed be our first. I think this wow. is our first horror movie. Yeah. I, if we well, don't so, if we don't count the crow, I guess. No, we, we don't. I think it's no, safe don't. to say that we're not huge horror movie people, but The Exorcist, I know, is a significant one for you. The poster is right behind you right now. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about it and I'm going yes. to watch it during the daytime because otherwise I'm not going <laughs> to sleep for like a week. Yeah, yeah, so it's it, I'm I'm excited to talk about that. It's a, it's a movie that's been one of my favorites for a long time. I do have the poster in, in back of me. I think I've I've said it before it is the most common question I get on all of my Zoom conferences yeah. is that an exorcist poster yeah. behind you. Why, yes, it is. <laughs> I was watching something. Oh, I, there's a movie that came out uh, within the past year called Extraordinary. Uh, it's with Will Forte, Claudio Darity. It uh, takes place in Ireland, shot in Ireland. It's a really, it's a funny movie that's about uh, kind of like exorcisms and ghosts and stuff. And they're oh. not like blatantly exorcisms. Like it's a comedy. It's a, it's very silly, but oh, yes. uh, there's a, a shot that is 
I, as soon as it came on the screen, I was like, and there's the exorcist homage shot right there. I think I'm looking at it when I go to the IMDb page. Oh, for maybe. I don't know. Extraordinary. But, uh, yeah, it's this movie. It's just, I don't know. There's what can you really say about it? Well, I guess we'll figure out, we'll figure that out next week. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we'll have to chat. Let's not forget to chat about repossessed while we're at it. Dan, I wish you did not bring that up right now because I was so excited to talk about it and it, like, Blow blow your minds on the next episode, but we will talk about Repossessed. Yes. All right, John. That's all I've got. Good journey. Good journey, Dan. Your smile hit it.